Isaiah 41, 17. When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. Isn't that great? Praise God. And God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> the understanding in verse 17, when it says, I, the Lord, will hear them, it does not say this, but it implies that these people call on the name of the Lord. I think that this scripture is just so typical of the greatness of God. And yet, at the same time, it also infers the weakness of man. There are so many people that need to call on God. There are so many people that are out there without God. I think uh, of so many that I hear about that are in trouble, that don't know the Lord. Who do they call on when they have problems? Who do they call on when they have trouble? You can go and, and seek the advice of counselors. You can seek the advice of doctors. Where do they go? What, uh, what is their source of strength? I can assure you that man can help man, but only to a point. The woman in the Bible with the issue of blood had spent all of her money on doctors, the Bible said. But after she had spent all of her money on doctors, it appears doctors could not do her any good, and she had no money, and nobody was able or willing to minister without some source of revenue from the lady. So she was left alone, still with the issue of blood. But she pressed her way in and touched the Lord and the Bible says that virtue flowed out of God's body into the woman, and she was made whole. The Bible also speaks of a man by the name of Bartimaeus, who was blind from birth, who begged daily in the streets of Jericho. Little did he know that this would be the last time that Jesus Christ would come through Jericho, because Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified. And this man, in his heart, had a real desire to converse with Jesus. And when Jesus passed his way, even at the discouragement of all of his friends, this man just rose to his feet and cried out with a loud voice, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible tells us that when they pressed him and asked him to hold his peace, he cried the, the louder, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says that Jesus stopped in his tracks, turned around, and asked Bartimaeus, 
what wilt thou have me to do? The understanding is in the Scripture that all of those that call upon God, that He will hear them. Now, <clears throat> we also know that timing for man is totally different from timing with God. Sometimes we think that we pray a simple prayer and that God just ignores us. And that is not true. Uh, God hears every prayer. But sometimes we feel that God doesn't hear our prayers. He's not concerned about us. So often I catch myself praying, God send a revival. God send a revival. And then I'm reminded of Calvary's cross and the blood that Jesus Christ shed upon the cross. I don't think that any of us will ever be more concerned about souls than what Jesus is concerned about souls. I think the price that was paid upon the cross indicates His love and care for man. Man could not help himself when man had done all that he possibly could for himself. He was still short of the glory of God. When man tried to be his own Savior, he could not be his own Savior. I think the story that our young people gave, these kids gave in Sunday School in Action, is a, is a typical story. This, this is so significant. You know, I, I was thinking as they were, were giving this, I, I let my spiritual birthday come and go this past year without giving much thought to it. A couple of days before my spiritual birthday, I was thinking about it. And then on Thursday night when the Oak Creek uh, <clears throat> Youth Choir was presenting this, I, I, I just pretty much forgot about it. But, but really it ought to be a, a real occasion for celebration. For Thanksgiving, a time in which we really focus our attention on the things the Lord has done. I don't know if you've ever had a physical birthday and forgotten about it. Most people won't let me forget about my birthdays. <clears throat> Most people are there to remind me. And, of course, we remind each other. And we celebrate on those occasions. They become very festive occasions for us. We make a big deal out of it when we turn uh, into our teen years. And then we get into the 20s. We're past the horrible teens. And then we get to uh, 30 years old, and uh, people are already beginning to make jokes about age. Uh, we get to be 40, and we're over the hill. We get to be finished. We're pretty well... Uh, we get to be 50, and we're pretty well finished. <laughs> and uh, that just seems to be the, the thing. When I turned 50... Uh, my, uh, it was just a, well, you know what happened here. Uh, <laughs> Sister Diane Nelson made this little, little casket and, and had rest in peace. And, oh, my, I'll tell you, everybody was trying to make me feel good by making me feel bad. But, nevertheless, it was all to remind me that, uh, I had another year behind and that God was good to me. But when our spiritual birthdays roll around, we, we don't take much consideration of that. I let my spiritual birthday come and go and gave little thought to it. I, I wondered sometimes, the Jewish people have been separated from their homelands and scattered abroad throughout the world, and yet 
they have somehow adhered to so many of their feast days, and I guess all of them, each feast day reminds them of certain things. There's one thing for sure. The Lord came up with the idea of the feast of the Passover. It really wasn't an idea that Moses came up with. God came up with these ideas so that they would forever be grateful to the God that brought them out of Egypt. I don't know if your memory of your life of sin is as vivid as mine, but I can truthfully say I remember the horrible, horrible nights in which I went to bed and I felt somewhat rejected, felt like I didn't have any friends. I remember the nights I went to bed and I was very sick in body and I wanted to pray, but for some reason I I just wouldn't pray. I remember the few times that I did pray and how I felt miles away from God. I remember when situations came in which I I just felt I needed some help, but there was just nobody there to help me. felt like I didn't have a friend. But in spite of all of this, one day I decided that I was going to pray. I didn't know if God would hear my prayer or not. I didn't know if God cared about me. I was amazed, though, that whenever I opened my mouth and began to call on God, that God was right there. He was near me. It reminded me of how weak I was and how weak my fellow man was, but how great God was. God is so great. He's so wonderful. God is making a plea to this this generation of people that if they will just remember the Lord, when times are bad, when times are not so good, I'm, I'm persuaded to believe that some people are very poor because they have neglected God, and this is the only way that God can get them to call on Him. Now, I do not believe that God intentionally puts people in adverse circumstances because He feels good about some people suffering and others not suffering. God is interested in my spiritual welfare. If it takes this for me to cry out to God in order for me to ultimately accept salvation, you know, it's a, it's, it's a pretty good deal regardless of how you look at it. If a man can be saved and walk on streets of gold and live in the presence of the Lord forever, regardless of what, are, what it takes, it's a whole lot better than dying lost and separated from God and burning forever in hell. We don't hear much about hell, fire, and brimstone anymore. We're told that in this baby boomer age that nobody wants to hear about it. But Jesus talked about it ten times more than He talked about heaven. He obviously talked about it because He wanted people to understand that they do have a choice. And, you know, if they will make the right decision, and if they will live for God, regardless of how low you get, God is always there to pick you up. Regardless of how low you feel that you are. I've had people, I had a lady call me one time on the phone and she said, Pastor, do you think that God can save a sinner like me? I assure her, God can save a sinner like you. But you don't understand, Pastor Grant, what I've done. It makes no difference what you have done. 
Do you think God is interested in me? He is vitally interested in you. He is concerned about you. Not only is He interested in you, He actually loves you. How much does He love you? You take a look at the cross. It not only tells us how much He loved the world, but it tells you how much that He loves you as an individual. But of course, the cross is not just a symbol of salvation for mankind, but salvation for individuals. Even though all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Jesus Christ died for me as a person. Now, there are Old Testament examples that, that show us how important God feels or how important people are to Him. I think if you turn back to Genesis, the 21st chapter, this story is making direct reference to the poor and the needy that seek water and there is none, uh, and their tongue faileth for thirst. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. <clears throat> Look at the story of Hagar, who was uh, the bondwoman. In other words, she happened to be a servant to Sarah, who was Abraham's wife. And Sarah was promised a child. But Sarah was old in years, and she had never produced a child. She was not able to produce a child. Abraham was near 100 years old. His wife, Sarah, was near 90 uh, when the child, the promised child, was born. Uh, sometime before that, God had spoken to them and, and promised them a child. Well, Sarah, not being able to conceive... Uh, she talked with Abraham and said, uh, uh, there, there has to be some kind of a, a catch in this. You know, there's, there's something that's not quite right. Uh, maybe we need to just uh, really take a hard look at this. When God says that He's going to give us a child, does that really mean that this body that I have, as old as it is and as barren as, as, as it has been, that He's actually going to... Uh, bless this body and that I will become pregnant and 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 have a normal gestation period and and have this child uh, obviously that's not what God had in mind you see they didn't understand how miraculous God can be how how powerful God can be how strong God how great God can be so instead of looking at the greatness of God, they began to look at the weakness of man. They saw themselves as people who had passed the age in which they were to give birth. Abraham, as I stated, was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Sarah was 90 years old. Now at the time in which they discussed this, they were somewhat younger, but uh, nevertheless, they had gone well past the years in which they thought that they could have a child. Oh, surely, surely, surely. I can't have a child. They looked at man. They did not look at God. If God says it, it's going to be that way. If God says it, that's the way it's going to be. But they just couldn't buy that story that the angel gave. And so they sat down and they said, Well, surely, because we are well past our years and and Sarah, you've never been able to conceive. Uh, surely something uh, 
There must be going on here that we're not uh, thinking of. Now, how could this be? So after questioning God, they came up with this idea. What God really had in mind was that Abraham is supposed to take uh, Sarah's servant, and he is supposed to uh, go in to her, and she is to conceive and to bear a child. And that's what the Bible says took place. She did bear a child. This child's name was Ishmael. This was not the promised child. God reconfirmed the story by telling Sarah again, No, Sarah, you looked at the weakness of man, not the greatness of God, that you are actually able to bear a child yourself in your own body. The Bible tells us that, that she did. Isaac was born. Isaac was the promised child. The promised child, Isaac, is a type of the New Testament church. It is was born because of a miracle that took place. Praise God. Jesus Christ died upon the cross, and from His blood, the New Testament church was purchased. And you and I are alive today because of divine miracles. There's not one person that is born of water and of spirit that is in the kingdom of God that is not a living, walking, talking, breathing example of the miraculous power of Almighty God. The devil says it can't be done. God says it will be done. It seems like the greatest defeat that ever took place was the fact that Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross. But my friend, out of that great defeat came one of the greatest miracles that ever took place. Jesus Christ was in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And after three days and three nights, He came forth triumphantly, holding the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And oh, thank God, the greatest defeat that Satan ever experienced was when Jesus Christ came forth from the tomb. And now Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord, came and brought new life to us. On the day of Pentecost, we find 120 feeling forsaken because their Master had left them. They gathered in the upper room, and when they gathered there, the Bible says they begin to pray and cry out to God. These people, their leader was gone. He was not around anymore. They seemingly were defeated. But out of the weakness of man, crying out to his God, realizing that he can't make it without his God, all of a sudden, the power of the Holy Ghost came upon them. The Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one mind and one accord. And suddenly, there appeared unto them clothing tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they all began to speak with other tongues, as a Spirit gave the utterance. From this very weak moment in the history of these disciples who were following after the Lord, came for the greatest moment of victory when God poured out His power, when He showed His greatness. And if you read the book of Acts, you will find that the book of Acts is filled with phrases that almost sounds like some kind of a sales uh, presentation. The Bible says great fear came upon the people. Great miracles were performed. Great uh, uh, faith came. Upon one occasion it says great grace came. Always great, 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 great. And I'm here to tell you, 
I'm serving a God that is alive and a God that's great. Don't look at your weakness, but look at the greatness of God. Here we see in the book of Genesis, we see this bondwoman taking her child and leaving Isaac's uh, presence. The Bible says that, that Sarah and Hagar, they just uh, began to bicker with each other and they couldn't get along. And, and so the, the Hagar just had to take her child and, and she had to leave. Now, Ishmael was not the promised child. Uh, out of this, what we would call a sinful act, and that is the conception of, 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 of uh, Hagar by Abraham and this, this plan that was devised by looking at the weakness of man, a, a child is born. Uh, but what was God's attitude toward this child? The Bible tells us that obviously God loved this child. He even told <coughs> Abraham that from Ishmael we're going we're gonna to see that he becomes a mighty nation. That, that was a promise that was given. Now, all of a sudden we find a, a problem that, that took place and so Hagar is having to take her son and having to leave home. This must have been a very, very sad occasion. The Bible tells us <coughs> that she did leave home. Abraham says in verse 10 of Genesis 21, Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. Get rid of him. The thing was very grievous to Abraham's sight because of his son. God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. And all that Sarah hath said unto thee, Hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also the son of the bondwoman, I will make a nation, because he is thy seed. Now, if you notice what happened, the Lord says, go ahead, this plan. Uh, Sarah says, just cast her out. God told Abraham, go ahead with this plan, cast her out. Uh, cast out the, the, the child of the bondwoman. Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water. He gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Now, the thing that amazes me about Abraham was his, his total dependence on God. Abraham is called the father of the faithful. In John the 8th chapter, the Pharisees claimed to be Abraham's children. He said, if you were Abraham's children... You would do the works of Abraham. He said, you're not Abraham's children because you don't do the works of Abraham. In fact, Jesus told the Pharisees, you're the children of your, devil, of your father, the devil, because you do the works of the devil. Now, Abraham was such a committed person, such a dedicated person. I, I'm just uh, amazed at Abraham. The Bible says that he rose up early in the morning. This reminds me of the, the time in which he was told God was... God told Abraham that he was to take Isaac, his, his promised child, and he was to take and offer him up as a sacrifice. The Bible told, tells us that the Lord told him, said, we want you to do this tomorrow. Same, similar story. We want you to cast out the bondwoman. Do it tomorrow. The Bible 
uses this phrase on both occasions. Abraham rose up early in the morning. In other words, he was always eager to do what God wanted him to do. Now tomorrow, uh, obviously, he, he could have waited till noon or maybe tomorrow afternoon. Most of us kind of dread following the will of God, don't we? We just, we, just, we just dread it. We just, oh. I've known of a lot of people that just lived in constant fear that if they gave themselves to God, 100% gave themselves to God, that God was going to call them into the ministry or call them into some lifestyle that, that would require a lot of suffering. They lived in this constant fear. I have counseled with Christians that have told me, Brother Grant, I feel if I really give myself to God, I'm going to end up doing this or that or the other. And so they just wouldn't do it. But what you're doing is that you're relying upon the weakness of your own strength, the weakness of your own might. But when you give yourself to God, you rely upon the greatness of God. Abraham rose up early in the morning. Did Abraham want to do this? Absolutely not. Ishmael was as much his child as Isaac was his child. But his attitude toward Ishmael and also toward Isaac was that when God said, Do it, I'm going to rise up early in the morning. He said, Do it in the morning. That means God's work comes first in my life. I don't want to cast him out. And I don't want to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice. But I'm totally depending on the greatness of God, not the weakness of Abraham. And so as a result, he, he rose up early in the morning and put the bread in the water. Of course, you know the story quite well if you've, if you've been reading your Bible. If you've been in the church for any length of time. They got out in the wilderness after a while. The bread's gone. The water's gone. And there's nothing left. Uh, God looks down with great compassion and love. There's, there's not a soul in the world that God doesn't love. I, I've got to tell you, there have been times in my life which I didn't even know if God knew my name. There have been times even after living for God for a number of years and my faith just grew a little bit weak. I, I didn't know if God even knew who I was. You ever had that, have that to happen to you? I've had some low moments in which I, I just didn't know. You know, I just didn't know. But the Bible tells us that Hagar took the child and placed the child down, went just a little ways away and sat down. And she said, well, might as well let the child die. and I'll probably die along with the child. We're out here in this wilderness. A wilderness. A wilderness. Lost, perhaps. But the Bible tells us that the, the child cried. Cried. The Bible says in verse 17... And God heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Fear not, nor don't be afraid. My, how many times do we read in the New Testament when Jesus addressed people who were in, in stressful situations? Fear not. Fear not. When the disciples were out on the ship and, oh, a, a mighty tempest had come and the waves were just tossing the little boat, they, they cried out to Jesus. They woke him up and said, Master, 
carest thou not we perish? Jesus rebuked them for their faith and said, Fear not. Fear not. You remember the time that Jesus told his disciples, Fear not, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. The tendency that we have when we fear, I say the tendency that we have, we look at ourselves and we look at our own strength and we find ourselves, you know, not being able to do anything. What can I do? I, I have never been placed in jail. I don't know what the jail, inside of a jail cell looks like. I've visited some people at jail, but they've, they've always brought them out and put them in a little room, sometimes behind the glass, talk on the phone or whatever, sometimes behind bars. Uh, I've never been inside of a jail cell. I don't know what it, it would feel like to be in there where you, I mean, you, 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 you can't do anything. I mean, you know, I, I can't go, if I'm hungry, I mean, somebody's got to come and feed me. <clears throat> I can't go out and just go to the grocery store and buy bread. And I don't, I don't know what that's like. I've never been inside of a jail cell. It'd probably scare me half to death. I'm sure it would scare you. And you who have been in a jail, uh, perhaps because of some fault of your own, or perhaps because of being wrongly accused. You know, I've known of people that ended up in jail, and really they shouldn't have been. But in the best of faith, the officers uh, doing what they felt was their job, uh, you ended up there. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, there you are. You're at the mercy of somebody else. I'm sure you were afraid, weren't you? You were afraid. Now, <clears throat> what I want to call your attention to is this, that, that the truth of the matter is we're, we're pretty much all in jail. You know, we, we've been set free by the Holy Ghost, but I mean, what can we really do if God doesn't sustain us? Uh you know, I was raised in and around the farm all my life, and right now we have some farm animals. And I've made reference to this, and I, I, I just, I can't always go and take care of the animals at feeding time because of my schedule. And we have some young people at the church that have just so graciously uh, volunteered to feed. Uh, the Rossing boys help a lot. Uh, Jason goes down on Tuesdays and feeds the animals got they, they know these boys. And yesterday uh, we decided that Derek was in the hospital and we decided we'd feed. And, well, we just got tied up and and little Derek called me on the phone. It's it was just such a a sweet thing but a pitiful thing. He called me on the phone before he went to the hospital and said, Papa, would you pray for me? I said, What's wrong? He said, I'm sick. And he just cried, and I prayed. He'd say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Well, he ended up in the hospital. We went up to see him. And then when we started to leave, he said, please don't leave. You know, I please don't leave. Well, <clears throat> he was resting and, and uh, doing fine, and I think he finally went to sleep. So uh, we left. We went back up there last night again. It was pretty late prayed with him we didn't get down to feed our animals till way way past when we should have been in fact it was 10 30 at night uh, 
if you have animals, they, they say they should be on a schedule. Uh, we have ours on a schedule. It changes every day. But, uh, but uh, when, I, when we drove up in the car last night, it was dark, late. I heard one of the cows way out in the field out there. Moo. You know, they're going to let you know. Time I got inside the barn and turned the lights on, uh, I, I heard them running. They were run, uh, literally running. There's a little stream out there. Now it's just so boggy and wet and everything, and they go across that, and they almost sink up to their stomachs. I'm putting a culvert in, but I just haven't been able to finish because of the weather. Sink up to their stomachs. When they hit that little stream out there, you could hear them, you know, through that, just the sucking of the mud. The master's here. He's, he's come to feed me. And uh, usually what will happen, I'll, I'll drive up down there. We've been working on our house, and come feeding time, they just stand out there in a row just looking, looking up toward the house. It's time to eat now. You know, and when you, when you think about it, you think about here they are in this field. They're depending on me. If I don't go feed them, you know what happens? They don't have anything to eat. I wish somehow that all of you could understand that, that we're pretty much in that situation, too, with God. You think, well, I go to work, and I go to the store, and I buy my own food and everything. But the truth of the matter is, man's ability to get wealth, the Bible says, comes from God. That, that we all kind of line up. <laughs> we, we may not believe that we do, but we all kind of line up, and we look for the appearing of our master in the garden of eden the bible says the lord came by to, to adam and talk with him in the cool of the day now, that must have been a glorious glorious thing when every day about the same time here adam stood out there looking for god where is he will he come to me today praise god you know i have recently had such precious moments in prayer uh, I've just needed God so much. I wake up in the morning, my soul's so hungry. I say, God, I'm just a human being. I can only do so much. I just need you. I've got a day that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Isaiah 40. That a beautiful scripture. Oh, God, here I am, Lord. I'm lined up at the fence. If you don't come and feed my hungry soul, I just won't be fed. But David summarized it well when he put it like this. He said, I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. As much as sometimes we look at this story of Hagar and Ishmael with, with embarrassing outlooks, God loved this child. This child was in need of water. He cried, and the Bible says that the angel of the Lord appeared, spoke to Hagar. He said, don't be afraid. Do you think that when Abraham consulted God about this 
Do you think that God told Abraham to send her and this child away just so they would die? There's a song that says, He didn't bring me out here to let me die. You remember that song? How many of you have heard that song? Praise God. We've come this far by faith. God didn't bring me out here just to forsake me. Of course, we know that this is this is physical water that uh, that we're talking about. But we know that in the Scripture that there is spiritual water that sustains. You see, the man is made up of body, soul, and spirit. I have some men laying brick for me today. I didn't want them to do that, but my son Roy did some plumbing in exchange for laying us a brick. They said, we can do it, but we have to do it on Sunday. I, I don't really don't like, I don't want anybody working on the house on Sunday, but this man, you know, he just said, that's when we're going to do it. And so as soon as service is over, Sister Grant and I are supposed to go to buy Hardee's and pick up a bucket of chicken and take down there. These men say, we work hard, we got to eat. You know, <clears throat> I understand that. Oh, do I ever understand that. Man, somebody said, Brother Grant, if you want to lose weight, everybody's concerned about me losing weight. I said, look, <clears throat> now recently I have a new technique. I've gone several places and preached. I'm beginning to feel, now this is no reflection on you real skinny people, okay? I'm beginning to feel that my ministry is to edify fat people. To make them feel good about themselves. Because everybody always says, boy, you sure are gaining weight. I said, you know, I want to edify. So all of you people that are a little on the portly side, like myself, God loves you. Does he ever love you? I'm telling you. He really does love you. And, you know, thin may be in, but fat's where it's at. I'm telling you. No. <laughs> no, it is important, isn't it, that we, that we eat. But you see, let me, let, me, let me explain something here. The problem is that you can't feed your soul hamburgers. Can you? And you can't feed your soul uh, chicken. You can't do that. But it's important that I'm fed spiritually much more so than it is that I'm fed physically. Because you will find that the problems that the world has, most of those problems are not related to the body. Oh, go to the hospital. You see multitudes of people suffering. But I'm telling you, my friend, you couldn't build enough hospitals for people who are suffering inwardly. You couldn't build enough. And if you were able to build it, most all of us would be in there and there would be nobody to help us. But here we are in this gigantic world. And there's a fence built around it. And you may say, how do you explain that? I think Paul explains this when he said, every man is limited to the bounds of his habitation. Here we are. But we're limited in this. If God doesn't come and feed my soul, I won't get anything to eat. I'm going to die. Jesus talks to a woman at a well in Samaria in John 4. 
she offered to give him water. And Jesus said, you drink of this water, you will thirst again. But he says, I have water that you can drink of and never thirst. Verse 14, listen to this. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Have you ever thought that maybe 90% of all of your frustrations are the result of you drinking from the wrong well? That you think you can go out to the water fountain and get a drink and everything's going to be happy? But my friend, I'm here to tell you, there's water that you need to drink of that you'll never thirst again. I think Jesus explains this water. Oh, does he ever explain it in John 7. John seven thirty seven, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, moving water, churning turbo water. Now, he explains this in verse 39, but this spake he of the Spirit. When he speaks of drinking of water, never thirst again. He's talking about drinking the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Did you know that there is a well springing up? There is a river that's flowing. We sing the chorus. There is a river that flows from deep within. There is a fountain that cleanses from all sin. Come to the waters, there is a vast supply. Come to the water that never shall run dry. Praise God. Did you know that God has enough spirit? You can drink and drink and drink and drink and drink. But thus spake ye of the Spirit, that they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. He was speaking about what took place on the day of Pentecost. The weakness of man and the greatness of God. Do you understand how weak you are? Don't be afraid. Because God can compensate by giving you water that satisfies. Praise God. I'd like for Sister Sharon Kearns to come. And she's going to sing. And i got a place inside in which I put their feed. And it's amazing. Every time I walk up there, i got this big bucket of feed. Right on my left down here is the old cow, Barbara. Next to her is Stella. On the other side is Amy, and I have one called Bess, and one named Sarah. And uh, then uh, the little calves, they just, some of them crawl inside. They've got one that crawls inside. And they'll put their head in there, and they'll look up. And I start feeding over here. I feed Barbara first, and they'll just stand there till I get around. And <clears throat> they need me, but we need God. Listen to this. Isaiah 1, verse 3, the ox knoweth his owner. And the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider me. 
It's not something that a dumb animal would know where to go get its food. But Israel, you don't know where to go get your food. I am so weak. God is so great. God bless these who have come. We're opening this altar for everyone. Come on right now. Let's seek God. People need the Lord. Would you come? I feel others want to come. Some of you come down here and pray with this lady who's come. That's it. Come on. Some come and pray with Sister Howard, would you? Come on right now. Oh, what a great day. It's time for us to feed, to drink of living water. Oh, what beautiful words. hesitate. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Don't fear. I need Thee, oh.